look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm terrific, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, to you too. You didn't even invite me for turkey. I'm quite upset with you. Well, COVID restrictions. I'm right in studio with you, dude. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Just it's not COVID restrictions. I'm going to hide behind that one this year. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I said, let's get together for a meeting, you said, I can't. COVID. COVID. <laughs> we got a great show today, bud. We got a great show. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're going to hear about an interesting way to buy or sell real estate um, that could ultimately save you thousands of dollars. Real estate is one of the biggest investments most people have, right? That transaction's a big transaction. Yeah. And what about if you're thinking about selling or buying a property? Yeah. There's a disruptor in the market, mm-hmm. and he's going to save you thousands of dollars uh, by by using his program. And so a lot of people that are approaching or living in retirement or selling or buying a home or whatever, if you can save a lot of money there... That's that's more money in your pocket, particularly in a market like ours, which has been under pressure for a very long time. So right? this is a, a a great topic to talk about outside of conventional stocks and bonds as mm-hmm. an alternative investment, which is real estate. And yep. how do you save money in those transactions? It's going to be great. So um, the markets this week have been um, a continuation of volatility. Okay, so so here's here's a conversation I had this week, and I'm going to frame I'm going to frame this particular segment around it. Okay. Okay. The segment's called. I have a gut feeling. You have a gut feeling. I have a gut feeling. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So, listen, I'm sure there's lots of people that have lots <laughs> of gut feelings out there. And uh, when volatility goes up, stomachs start to churn. And that's the gut feeling for sure. Okay. But is a gut feeling enough to make, to build an investment thesis on, to make an investment decision, to take action in your portfolio in response to something? A gut feel. You know how many people have approached me this week with the same comment? Right. I have a bad feeling about the markets. Right. I have a bad feeling mm-hmm. of a gut feel, a gut feel. about what's going to go on with the government, taxes, whatever. Right. Can I can I say one thing here? Because mm-hmm. I don't. We're going to talk about about that, um, but I don't want to diminish the fact that there's a there's an emotional response happening. Sure. Okay. So let's just su- set that aside. Yeah. I get that the volatility actually creates that churning of the gut. But now the question is, how do we translate the gut feel yeah. into some form of action or non-action? Correct. Right? So it's that, it's that mechanism of transmission into what you're going to do yeah. and avoid catastrophe. Emotional decisions, more often than not, lead to catastrophe and the permanent destruction of capital. And that's what we're trying to help people understand and avoid here. Perfect. Okay. So the gut feel. Well, what's the gut feel? So, listen, I, I, this, this conversation was this week with a, uh, a particular client, but it's the same conversation that I have all the time with people, okay? I don't feel very good about this, mm-hmm. right? So, I want to go to cash. I want to sell my investments. Everything. Put everything in cash. Everything's going to cash. Okay. Okay. So, I said, oh, okay. Uh, why? Well, I have a gut feel. Well, okay. What's your gut telling you? Go to cash. Okay. So if we go to cash, okay, if, if, if we're making an all-in bet on any asset class, and cash is an asset class, mm-hmm. okay, what's your thesis? So let's break down the gut feeling into what you're not feeling good about. Yeah. Now, that conversation can lead it down any number of different paths, but sure. 
but more often than not, Faisal, my, my experience is that it just, it just scared. Yeah. Okay? So it's not a specific, it's not data, it's just I'm scared. The gut <clears throat> feel will lead to generally two different outcomes, yeah. fear or greed. Right. I have a gut feeling right. I'm going to go buy this business. Right. I have a gut feeling I'm going to buy this stock. Right. I have a gut feeling I'm going to sell. Right. Right. Fear, greed. Okay. And so when having this conversation um, is always, it's, it's academically interesting for me. Yeah. Right? Again, I understand there's an emotional component to it. But as we dig in trying to, uh, trying to have a person express what they're afraid of, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. And i got to tell you, very often has nothing to do with the economics of the world or anything else, right? It could be a headline that they've read, or it could be a family member's gotten sick, or they've gotten sick, or, you know, there's something else going on. Yeah. Okay. So let's set that aside, whatever the case is. Here's when you have the gut feel. I want to give you some thoughts and some guidance, because you need to calm yourself, right? You cannot make emotional decisions, because the high probability is that that emotional decision, the reaction, will create a problem for you at some point. Correct. Okay? So if that's the goal, let's work backwards from that. What do you do? What does a person do when they have a gut feel? Well, you need to stop and you need to try to analyze why. What's going on? First of all, is it even related to your portfolio? And if it is, let's figure out what data you're concerned about. Mm -hmm. Okay? And listen, we've had lots of conversations. Well, Biden's going to get elected and this is going to happen. Or Trump's going to get reelected and this is going to happen. And, you know, so there's sometimes real risk issues, yeah. uh, you know, data points that yeah. they're concerned about. Okay, so if we can identify them, write them down. Take a moment, pause, yes, write yes. them down, right? Just get it onto paper because Absolutely. If, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, this is an important step. If you're working with an advisor, when you're communicating with that advisor or advisory team, you want to bring that data so that that person has an understanding and help diagnose what assumptions you're baking into your, your thesis, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's really like going to your doctor. Make sure you've got some data you can take to the doctor to say why you're in pain. Get hmm. the data. Write it down, take a pause, think about it, okay? And then, and then what you have to start to do is you have to start to analyze the various outcomes, okay? And attach some probability. So, okay, if Biden's going to get elected and you're concerned about taxes going up and in affecting corporate profitability, okay, to what extent, right? So the emotional reaction, forget about what data point it is, often it's all in or all out. Yeah, it's a decision of one or the other. Right, and, and start, with the, start with the fact that it is not one or the other. Yeah. There is no binary outcome. Yeah. Right? It's not a one or a zero. It's impossible. There's too many moving pieces yeah. in the whole scenario. Right? And so what I would, what I just wanted, and this is a conversation. Again, the specifics of the conversation are less relevant than, than the process. The process was, okay, I hear you, mm -hmm. and I understand that you're scared. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's now start working through what are you truly afraid of. Okay? Okay, let's write them down. So this, what could happen under this case? Well, you know, bang, everything's going to go to zero. Well, are you sure? Okay, well, you can, you, so it's interesting you say that, Dave, because when I've sat down with, with clients who, who have those fears, we use our whiteboard quite a bit in our offices, mm -hmm. or we'll use on something online when we're doing virtual conversations, and we'll, we'll say, okay, let's look at your thesis, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, and let's put a probability it's going to happen. Is it 100%? There's no other outcome that's going to come out of it. Right. And they go, no. Okay, so let's put a probability. How much conviction do you have behind this outcome happening? Mm -hmm. Make up a number, 80%. So there's a 20% chance you're wrong. 80% mm -hmm. chance you're right with your gut feel. So do you put all of your money? Right off the bat, right? It says no. Yeah. Right off the bat. 
And then, and then here's the other, the, the broad stroke, right? When we start with that emotional reaction is everything's bad. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Everything can't be bad because if everything is bad, you just defined an extinction level event. In which case, it doesn't matter. We're gone. We're gone. Yeah. So it, is everything bad? No. Okay. So yeah. if not everything, gotcha. what's going to benefit? And, and, and this is the process I want to, because we're, we're in this period again where people are gut feels. It's emotional driven. Calm yourself. Yeah. Write it down. Have an informed conversation. Attach probabilities. You're not investing for just tomorrow. There is no binary outcome. Build a strategy that gets you through whatever period you're concerned about and then continue to monitor it. Fair? Which requires a process. Process. And which Let's requires a strategy, a discipline, and a process. And so why don't we talk about ours at our next upcoming seminar. <laughs> that was smooth. On Tuesday, October 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Would you like to, uh, to save thousands of dollars on selling your home? We'll stick around after the break. We might be able to help. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back to uh, 770 CHQR in More Than Money. You know, one of the biggest asset classes that uh, anybody owns is their house. Yeah. And um, buying or selling a house can be stressful, complicated, and expensive. Right? Commissions and well, the way we do it, the traditional way we do it, there's all kinds of stuff involved. So, so we talked about this, I think, a month ago where... The real estate values in this city mm -hmm. over the last, I think it's 13 years, have not really given you any rate of return. Right. So the price you would have bought a home 13 years ago is about the same average price it is today. So people are looking at this and saying, well, I want to move, mm -hmm. sell my home. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that comes in the way is how much they have to pay to sell their home. And so in my conversations with business owners in this city, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to meet someone who's a major disruptor in the real estate market. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Dave, is, is, has been able to provide a service that's online that can help these individuals save thousands of dollars in real estate commissions mm -hmm. in, and still sell their home. Now, he's going to be able to do a better job explaining what the heck he does, <laughs> but I was quite surprised on how this is a Calgary company yep. um, doing it for Alberta, branching out across the country, and we know that retirees are looking at selling their home, moving, yep. so on and so forth. Yep. So how do, we, how do we put this all together and help, help these individuals look at an alternative way to save money and still get the home that they want? So we want to introduce uh, Robert Price, founder and CEO of Bode Canada. Robert, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be on. Well, Robert, let's uh, let's give you a second just to tell us a little bit about the uh, the company and the history. Why why uh, you know why are you disrupting? Tell us a little bit about what Bode does. Yeah, we we founded this company on the premise of we wanted to have a modern, easy, low cost experience uh, that we would use, and that's we have four founders, and we're all people, let's say in our mid thirties, that have had that type of experience across other industries and have basically grown up with the ability to do transact and purchase online. And this is the next evolution of that. So we are the first digital marketplace that connects buyers and sellers directly online with tools and data that they need and without the requirements of an agent and uh, launched a year ago, September last year. And, since have become a top 10% brokerage in the province. So 
very excited about the traction that we have a little over 90 million of assets in our marketplace and and uh it's been a lot of fun well it sounds like it's been a lot of fun and congratulations to you and your partners for that let's let's just talk a little bit about this so um what are some of the if somebody's going to do this on their own right now there's no agent what are some of the things that a person has to know understand if they're going to enter into this digital marketplace to buy or to sell yeah one one big key i would say is really understanding the value of your home and particularly for retirees about a third of our customers are retirees Mm -hmm. um given they've transacted homes many times before, they now have the confidence to just be able to do it themselves. Um, but one one big key to that is having a regular pulse on the value of your home has been very difficult in the past. You're either relying on a highly, politi- highly politicized tax assessment that you get once a year or some, you know, an agent that you might hire, but that's uh, more for the transaction itself. So we've come up with market tools, sold data, and comparables, uh, three different dimensions into the value of your home that you can simply look at on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, um, in in a similar context that you'd look at your whole stock portfolio. So you have a pulse on the value of your home. You know, there's, there's two parts of the home. There's the emotional side of it. Of course, you've, you've raised your family there. In a lot of cases, you've had great memories and that's all very important the other half of it is it is an asset and it's very important to keep a regular view of what's going on with that asset in the marketplace uh, overall you know just on that particular point phase this will be interesting one of the things we often talk about is the whole mark to market pricing the daily price action that you see in in say equity markets and stock markets yeah that can right. freak people out right yeah. because some days it doesn't look so good. Some days it looks amazing. So I'll be very interested. I think this is really cool. I think price discovery is a really important part of any marketplace, including real estate. And price discovery has not been particularly accurate, forthcoming, or easy to come by in the housing market. But it may have an unintended consequence where people get a little nervous about that. And it, it may have some nervousness. So let's let's. How do we calm those nerves down? So Robert, when you're when you're listing your home, you're doing it yourself. You're you're basically putting your price in based on the the data and information that your company is providing. Then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. There's showings. There's documents. Mm. There's negotiation. How does a how does an individual do all that? Yeah. Yeah, so we've we've built a a fully online part of that service. So if you, if you take the sell side, you would list your property uh, in eight to ten minutes. So it's it's filling out price and home descriptions and features and square footage and all the typical things uh, that a buyer would need. And then we populate that listing on Realtor.ca on our own site, Kijiji, and thirty plus other sites, and we digitally market it so that you get visibility online. 92% of people of all Canadians start their search online, so critical that you're in as many of those places as possible. And then once a buyer uh, is interested in your property, they can directly message you uh, using our messaging tool and book showings using a calendar tool, similar to an open table type experience. So once they've seen it, we also ID verify if that's, uh, if you've requested that to make sure that the identity is taken care of and we're, we're dealing with real people. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you can make the, tr- the offer 
uh, through our negotiation tool fully online. So it's the key terms of an offer. So you think deposit and pricing and attached, non-attached goods, and the various elements. You're able to negotiate back and forth uh, to agreement. And then that automatically populates a contract, a sales agreement that we set up for you and send to your lawyers for close. So we've done that about close to 50 times uh, in the last year. And and people are very, our, our number one feedback is people feel really confident and really empowered because they have the full transparency and full control throughout that process. And ultimately, it's eliminating a whole bunch of face-to-face conversations about 19 on average that you would typically have when you have a buy and sell agent involved in the deal. All right. I got to ask the question, Robert, how much money does a person save by using Bode versus a traditional realtor? So, so you list for free. Um, so that, so we take the risk of, of the home not selling, but we, we have been selling above market or, or faster than the typical, uh, the typical provider. And so we charge 1% of the sales value at close upon success. And whereas the typical brokerage in Canada would be four to 5%. So it's 70% less. And that's of course, retaining your, your key equity. And at this point, as, as you know, we're talking to retirees, of course, most of them no longer have income. So keeping as much of that hard earned equity in your pocket is, is critical. Okay. Um, that sounds amazing. I mean, this is the kind of disruptor, technology disruptor stuff that's happening in all industries. You need to check out the website. Yeah, fascinating you need, to hear honestly, this. Dave, you got to take a look at this because it's the house seamless and easy it is to maneuver just to look at homes. I tried to look at your home and see if I can put it on sale for you, but <laughs> thanks. Uh, I, I didn't have the proper information on the inside of the home. I barely let, moved in, man. Let me in chance. your house so I can sell your home for you so I can give all the information. Um, but but it's, it's a very cool uh, website, very easy to use. I, I suggest anybody who's looking at either buying or selling, give Boda an opportunity to uh, to help you do that transaction. Yeah, that's great. Robert, we want to thank you for taking some time with us today. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. We've been joined by Robert Price. He's the founder and CEO of Bode Canada, B-O-D-E, Bode Canada. Um, Listen, uh, the house is an important element of the lifestyle attached to retirement. And, you know, sometimes it's got memories to it. Sometimes you're going to downsize. Sometimes you're moving to a different location. But it's an important piece of the puzzle. It's a very important piece of the assets, of the total wealth that you have. Total wealth. And so how do you bulletproof your total wealth? Right. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, October 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break because retirement may not be what you expect. We're going to talk about one retiree's most surprising discovery here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, We talk about retirement being a journey. Yeah. And there's lots of people at different stages. I mean, we've got the the tail end of the baby boomers getting to that age where they're really going to be moving into retirement. Now, is retirement everything that they've been thinking about? I think that's an interesting question. Um, Some say it's a big fat lie. Some say it's a big fat lie. Some say those expectations you have in your head may not be met. Let's talk about that. Because I think that is really, um, it's a really interesting stage of life fraught with all kinds of dreams of grandeur and romance 
And sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's something else. Yeah. Fair? <laughs> Fair. Uh, Shelley Freilich is, uh, is a uh, journalist, an author, and she's joining us. She writes uh, in the 60s column. Uh, Shelley, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time with us. Thanks so much for having me on. And I love the title of your show, More Than Money, because really that's what we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And, and to that point, you had, a, you had a great title. It caught our attention to an article. It said it was senior living. It said, don't believe what they tell you about retirement. What should exactly. people believe? Tell us what we shouldn't believe. Well, I, my original uh, headline on that, by the way, because I, I write my own headlines, um, they change it, which was fine, was retirement, it's all been a pack of lies. Um, <laughs> because, of course, I had to get the Boomer song uh, title in there, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing. I retired at 63, so almost, well, four and a half years ago. And I had always planned to retire at 65. I, you know, love my job. I worked at the Vancouver Sun newspaper for 40 years, and it was fantastic. But, you know, I'd, I had always sort of thought in my head, no, 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 it's 65 you know, you're going to retire. I didn't do a lot of planning, i got to tell you, David Fazell. I didn't do a lot. Um, but I sort of had always, you know, I had a good pension. I knew that I had, you know, some RSPs. You know, I have a house. Um, but I just thought, okay, it's the next stage of life. And it seemed to make sense to me. But it was very interesting because when I did retire, I took a buyout. So I went a couple of years early um, and was grateful to do that. It was just sort of interesting as I went through the first, you know, couple of years. And I have to tell you, the biggest thing was is that I actually kind of couldn't believe it after, you know, 50 years or so of working, literally waking up every morning and like, I can do nothing today or I can do something today. I don't have a deadline. I don't have a meeting. I don't even have to get dressed. So that took like a year. Seriously, that took like a year or so just to kind of sink in. It was lovely. But it was very strange. It was like, okay, you feel like you're on holidays for the first month. And then it's like, no, actually, I don't have to do a darn thing today. <laughs> and and, and the, other, the other thing that struck me was, you know, I'm a boomer. So I'm right now 67. And I had heard for years and years and years about, you know, pending retirement and the things that you need to prepare for. And one of them was, you're going to need millions of dollars. Well, you know, that's nonsense. You know, you don't. I got some very good advice early on from a friend who said, you know, don't have a lot of debt, maybe buy a new car a couple of years before you retire so it still has a warranty. And, you know, the fact of the matter is you're probably not going to do much different in retirement than you did before you retired. You know, if you weren't a big traveler, you're probably not going to start, you know, hitting, hitting the, you know, the so Machu Picchu, you know. <laughs> um, you might, you might. And if you're going to do that, plan ahead for it. But he said, he told me he was a, uh, you know, an investment guy. And he said, look, you probably won't. You know, don't have a lot of debt. You know, unless you're going to make big, big plans to do something differently, you're probably going to be fine. And he was right. He was right about that. So the whole kind of you know, oh, the boomers, especially the boomers. It's like we all have this sort of bucket list. We have to do all this stuff before we die, right? Well, like, no, you don't. You know, you, you don't. Like, you know, if I never make it to Thailand, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But it's, but it's true. And it's like you've had this sort of weird pressure. I don't know if it's on all generations. I really feel it was on the boomer generation that, you know, you had to accomplish all this stuff. You had to keep working or you had to keep busy. And my brother, who retired a couple of years before me, and he's a few years older, said, you know, Shelly, you need to have a purpose when you retire. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what my purpose is? To do nothing. <laughs> so, Shelly, I want to I talk about that because you made, you made an interesting point up front about you didn't go in with a plan, right? Um, yeah. So this was, this was presented to you an option a couple of years before, so not, no real plan. And you said... I don't necessarily have anything to do in the morning because I think that can be both a gift and it could be a curse. 
So I'm really interested in that first one or two years. Faisal and I always talk about that first two-year period being the honeymoon phase, right, as you're figuring out what (laughs) retirement means. But I'm really interested to know, you know, without, because you went early, um, talk to me about that not having what what your brother said. There was no necessary purpose. I could just get up and do whatever I wanted. How did that make you feel? What did you do? Was it a gift or a curse for you? Well, certainly a gift. And I think it's interesting how we define purpose. You know, it's the way that male and females define housework. (laughs) (laughs) Two very Uh different things. The guys mow the lawn, the women do everything else. Okay, we can talk about that in another show. (laughs) But it's it's how you define purpose. And my brother's, you know, he was a a senior executive at a very large company. His idea of purpose was you got to get up and do something meaningful that probably has to do with making something or earning more money or, you know, God bless him, whatever that was. My purpose was get up, you know, spend more time with my mom, Um, go spend time with my grandchildren, you know, maybe read a book, which, by the way, you know, I thought I was going to read the thousand books I have. haven't read one book. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) haven't read one book. Um, You know, it it was more, it was more, you know, it really is a yin and a yang thing in many ways, I think. And, you know, my purpose was to get up and just, you know, just not do anything. Revel in the fact I really had nothing to do. And I had earned the, I had earned the right to do nothing, right? So, you know, I had a routine. I worked at home for years. I wrote a column for The Sun for years. And I would get up and go out, take all my newspapers, real live newspapers, and go have coffee at the local coffee shop. I still did that. So I still had this kind of rhythm to my day. Um, I just didn't have a deadline. I didn't have to file. I didn't have to answer to anybody. And so, you know, a, a gift or a curse, absolutely a gift. And, you know, other people, my friends, some of my friends got part-time jobs. Some of my friends did more volunteering um, when they retired. You know, maybe they, maybe they did more exercise. Like, that's the furthest thing from my mind ever. You know, I, never, I never thought I was going to get a gym membership, and I didn't, right? So I basically stayed the same, except I didn't have, you know, this job, right? And I think that you need to be prepared for that and not feel bad about it. Like, people say to me, I got so many emails from across, my, my column runs right across the country, right? I got hundreds of emails, and 99.9% were from people saying, oh, thank God, somebody said it out loud. I don't have to feel guilty about not doing anything in my retirement. That's and interesting. And by not doing anything, you know, they could go golfing every day. But yeah. for yeah. them, it it's was like nothing. somebody decides that's not me- a meaningful way to spend your retirement, I guess. Um, but it was interesting. I was actually surprised by that response. That so many people said, this is exactly what happened to me. I had all these plans and I had all this pressure to do stuff. And I really just want to get up and maybe just garden and have a cup of tea. And guess what? I might watch my soap opera. Yeah. Like just and not feeling bad about that, because I think there is a generational pressure. I think uh, you're right. Shelley. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're, you're on that point there where there is, if you look at what's on movies, what's on commercials, mm-hmm. the definition of retirement is either you're doing something you're going somewhere. We all have to sail. Or uh, uh, we sail. We all have to sail. Yeah. We have to have our, our <laughs> drinks on the beach. Yeah. We have to golf. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and God forbid that you just do absolutely <laughs> nothing in your home. Right. Uh, you'll never see a commercial. And, and yeah. we're in the yeah. retirement business. I don't think we would ever have a commercial on TV that shows two people just chilling at home having a cup of coffee, and that's what retirement is. Because that's nothing to aspire to because you're already doing it. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, I aspired my whole life and my career, and I did that. And now it's time to not aspire. 
Somebody should do that commercial. You guys should do that commercial. <laughs> there you um, go. Not, right? Yeah, I like that. Commercials. I You're like right. That. It's all these commercials. People Just are be stealing. You. And, you know, the guys are taking Viagra. And, <laughs> you know, it's like this whole, again, I call it kind of this generational pressure. And, I mean, what a great pressure to have. Like, nobody's complaining, right? But but for those of us who, you know, are okay in retirement, many many our age aren't. So you have to sort of feel for them. But, yeah, I just think that, you know, you got to do, you got to be you, you know, to coin a trite phrase. But, uh, you know, and, and, and not and not sort of take on all this stuff. I have this conversation with my brother all the time. He'll, you know, he'll phone me and say, what are you doing? I'll say, Randy, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, he, and he'll be, he'll be like. He's just horrified. Like, he'll, be like wood, he'll be like in his woodworking shop making a bed or something. I'm like, what the hell? Just relax. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Shelly, we have to leave it there. Thank you. Entertaining, uh, but I think really informative, too, about you know those first four years of retirement, sort of the journey, what you've been through. I hope people are listening to that if they're planning uh, what their retirement's going to look like and free themselves of some of that guilt. Thanks for all your input and a terrific article. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. We've been uh, joined by Shelly Freilich, who's a journalist, uh, and she writes Life in the 60s column uh, and clearly has lots to say about the, uh, the whole process of moving into retirement. What about our seminar? Yeah, this is interesting because when you're transitioning to or living in retirement, what are you transitioning to? Right. But more important, how do you protect all that lifestyle that you want, no matter if it's sitting at home having a cup of coffee or doing whatever you want to do? Right. You just want to make sure that you've got that protection of that income for life. So we just call it Bulletproof Your Retirement. That's going to be on Tuesday, October 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break if you want to find out how you could destroy your retirement if you invest based on the headlines. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, We talk about retirement being a journey. Yeah. And there's lots of people at different stages. I mean, we've got the, the tail end of the baby boomers getting to that age where they're really going to be moving into retirement. Now, is retirement everything that they've been thinking about? I think that's an interesting question. Um, some say it's a big fat lie. Some say it's a big fat lie. Some say those expectations you have in your head may not be met. Right? Let's talk about that. Cause I think that is really, um, it's a really interesting stage of life fraught with all kinds of dreams of grandeur and romance. And sometimes it's not that sometimes it's something else. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Shelley Freilich is, uh, is a uh, journalist and author. And she's joining us. She writes uh, in the 60s column. Uh, Shelley, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time with us. Thanks so much for having me on. And I love the title of your show, More Than Money, because really that's what we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And, and to that point, you had, a, you had a great title. It caught our attention to an article. It said it was senior living. It said, don't believe what they tell you about retirement. What should exactly. people believe? Tell us what we shouldn't believe. Well, I, my original uh, headline on that, by the way, because I, I write my own headlines, um, they changed it, which was fine, was retirement, it's all been a pack of lies. Um, <laughs> because, of course, I had to get the boomer song uh, title in there, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing. I retired at 63, so almost, well, four and a half years ago. And I had always planned to retire at 65. I, you know, loved my job. I worked at the Vancouver Sun newspaper for 40 years, and it was fantastic. But, you know, I had always sort of thought in my head, no, 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 it's 65. 
five, you know, you're going to retire. I didn't do a lot of planning, I got to tell you, Dave and Fazale. I didn't do a lot. Um, but I sort of had always, you know, I had a good pension. I knew that I had, you know, some RSPs. You know, I have a house. Um, but I just thought, okay, it's the next stage of life. And it seemed to make sense to me. But it was very interesting because when I did retire, I took a buyout. So I went a couple of years early. Um, and was grateful to do that. It was just sort of interesting as I went through the first, you know, couple of years. And I have to tell you, the biggest thing was is that I actually kind of couldn't believe it after, you know, 50 years or so of working, literally waking up every morning and like, I can do nothing today or I can do something today. I don't have a deadline. I don't have a meeting. I don't even have to get dressed. So that took like a year. Seriously, that took like a year or so just to kind of sink in. It was lovely. But it was very strange. It was like, okay, you feel like you're on holidays for the first month. And then it's like, no, actually, I don't have to do a darn thing today. <laughs> and and, and the, other, the other thing that struck me was, you know, I'm a boomer. So I'm right now 67. And I had heard for years and years and years about, you know, pending retirement and the things that you need to prepare for. And one of them was, you're going to need millions of dollars. Well, you know, that's nonsense. You know, you don't. I got some very good advice early on from a friend who said, you know, don't have a lot of debt, maybe buy a new car a couple of years before you retire so it still has a warranty. And, you know, the fact of the matter is you're probably not going to do much different in retirement than you did before you retired. You know, if you weren't a big traveler, you're probably not going to start, you know, hitting hitting the, you know, so the magic you know. Um, <laughs> you might, you might. And if you're going to do that, plan ahead for it. But he said, he told me he was a, uh, you know, an investment guy. And he said, look, you probably won't. You know, don't have a lot of debt. You know, unless you're going to make big, big plans to do something differently, you're probably going to be fine. And he was right. He was right about that. So the whole kind of you know, oh, the boomers, especially the boomers. It's like we all have this sort of bucket list. We have to do all this stuff before we die, right? Well, like, no, you don't. You know, you, you don't. Like, you know, if I never make it to Thailand, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But it's, but it's true. And it's like you've had this sort of weird pressure. I don't know if it's on all generations. I really feel it was on the boomer generation that, you know, you had to accomplish all this stuff. You had to keep working or you had to keep busy. And my brother, who retired a couple of years before me and he's a few years older, said, you know, Shelly, you need to have a purpose when you retire. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what my purpose is? To do nothing. <laughs> so, Shelly, I want to I talk about that because you made, you made an interesting point up front about you didn't go in with a plan, right? Um, yeah. So this was, this was presented to you an option a couple of years before, so not, no real plan. And you said... I don't necessarily have anything to do in the morning because I think that can be both a gift and it could be a curse. So Absolutely. I'm really interested in that first one or two years. Faisal and I always talk about that first two-year uh, period the phase, yeah. being the honeymoon phase, right, as you're figuring out what <laughs> retirement means. But I'm yeah. really interested to know, you know, without because you went early, um, talk to me about that not having what, what your brother said. No, there was no necessary purpose. I could just get up and do whatever I wanted. How did that make you feel? What did you do? Was it a gift or a curse for you? Well, certainly a gift. And I think it's interesting how we define purpose. You know, it's the way that male and females define housework. <laughs> <laughs> Two very Uh-oh. different things. The guys mow the lawn, the women do everything else. Okay, right. we can talk about that in another show. But it's, it's how you define purpose. And my brother's, you know, he was a, a senior executive at a very large company. His idea of purpose was you've got to get up and do something meaningful that probably has to do with making something or earning more money or, you know, God bless him, whatever that was. My purpose was get up, you know, spend more time with my mom, Um, go spend time with my grandchildren, you know, maybe read a book, which by the way, you know, I thought I was going to read the thousand books I have. haven't read one book. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) I haven't read one book. 
you know, it, it was more, it was more, you know, it really is a yin and a yang thing in many ways, yeah. I think. And, you know, my purpose was to get up and just, you know, just not do anything. Revel in the fact I really had nothing to do. And I had earned the, I had earned the right to do nothing, right? So, you know, I had a routine. I worked at home for years. I wrote a column for the Sun for years. And I would get up and go out and take all my newspapers, real live newspapers, and go have coffee at the local coffee shop. I still did that. So I still had this kind of rhythm to my day. Um, I just didn't have a deadline. I didn't have to file. I didn't have to answer to anybody. And so, you know, a, a gift or a curse, absolutely a gift. And, you know, other people, my friends, some of my friends got part-time jobs. Some of my friends did more volunteering um, when they retired. You know, maybe they maybe they did more exercise. Like, that's the furthest thing from my mind ever. You know, I never, I never thought I was going to get a gym membership, and I didn't, right? So I basically stayed the same, except I didn't have, you know, this job, right? And I think that you need to be prepared for that and not feel bad about it. Like, people say to me, I got so many emails from across, my, my column runs right across the country, right? I got hundreds of emails, and 99.9% were from people saying, oh, thank God, somebody said it out loud. I don't have to feel guilty about not doing anything in my retirement. That's and interesting. And by not doing anything, you know, they could go golfing every day. But yeah. for yeah. them, it was it's like nothing. somebody decides that's not me- a meaningful way to spend your retirement, I guess. Um, but it was interesting. I was actually surprised by that response. That So many people said... This is exactly what happened to me. I had all these plans and I had all the pressure to do stuff. And I really just want to get up and maybe just garden and have a cup of tea. And guess what? I might watch my soap opera. Like just and not feeling bad about that, because I think there is a generational pressure. I think Uh, you're right, Shelley. I I think you're you're on that point there where there is. If you look at what's on movies, what's on commercials, Mm -hmm. the definition of retirement is either you're doing something you're going somewhere. We all have to sail. Or a, a we sail. We all have to sail. Yeah. We have to have our, our <laughs> drinks on the beach. Yeah. We have to golf. <laughs> yeah. Right? And and God forbid that you just do absolutely <laughs> nothing in your home. Right. Uh, you'll never see a commercial. And, and yeah. we're in the yeah. retirement business. I don't think we would ever have a commercial on TV that shows two people just chilling at home having a cup of coffee, exactly. and that's what retirement right. is. Because that's nothing right. to aspire to because you're already doing it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I aspired my whole life and my career, and I did that. And now it's time to not aspire. Somebody should do that commercial. You guys should do that commercial. <laughs> there you go. Um, not, right? Yeah, I, mean, I like that. Commercials. Like you're right. That. It's all these commercials. People Just are be you. And, you know, the guys are taking Viagra. And, <laughs> you know, it's like this whole... Again, I call it kind of this generational pressure. And I mean, what a great pressure to have. Like, nobody's complaining, right? But but for those of us who, you know, are okay in retirement, many many our age aren't. So you have to sort of feel for them. But yeah, I just think that, you know, you got to do, you got to be you, you know, to coin a trite phrase, but, uh, you know, and, and, and not and not sort of take on all this stuff. I have this conversation with my brother all the time. He'll, you know, he'll phone me and say, what are you doing? I'll say, Randy, absolutely nothing. And, he, and he'll be, he'll be like, he's just horrified. Like, He'll be like in his woodworking shop making a bed or something. I'm like, what the hell? Just relax. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Shelly, we have to leave it there. Thank you. Entertaining, uh, but I think really informative, too, about that, you know those first four years of retirement, sort of the journey, what you've been through. I hope people are listening to that if they're planning uh, what their retirement's going to look like and free themselves of some of that guilt. Thanks for all your input and a terrific article. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. We've been uh, joined by Shelly Freilich, who's a journalist. Uh, and she writes Life in the 60s column uh, and clearly has lots to say about the uh, the whole process of moving into retirement. What about our seminar? 
Yeah, this is interesting because when you're transitioning to or living in retirement, what are you transitioning to? Right. But more important, how do you protect all that lifestyle that you want, no matter if it's sitting at home having a cup of coffee or doing whatever you want to do? Right. You just want to make sure that you've got that protection of that income for life. So we just call it Bulletproof Your Retirement. That's going to be on Tuesday, October 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Basil Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Basil Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.